Hello, hello, hello. I hope everybody's having a good day, a good night, a good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Political Talk, the podcast where we talk about what you're thinking, what the media is saying, but we say it in a way that they're just not talking about. I, I, I'm, I'm getting to the point as I do this podcast that I feel like the elite, the media, they're too detached and they don't understand middle America. They don't understand you and me. And at the end of the day, that has to be jarring because if you have a class of people who are so detached from the every everyday man, everyday woman, the regular person, what kind of world are you living in? Ladies and gentlemen, what makes a man? What makes a man? A man is somebody that you can trust, who's honest, who's loyal. A man is somebody that when they walk in the in the room, you feel their presence. When they shake your hand, they grip it in a way that you feel the power you feel that the respect that they are giving you when they look you in the eye and they introduce themselves to you. That was Colin Powell. Colin Powell was that man. He had a presence that oozed respect. He was a guy that came from nothing. His parents were immigrants. He came from nothing. And he rose to be Secretary of State. Um, he was the Joint Chief of Staff. You know, and, I, and as, I, as I thought about what I was going to say about it, he was a man that I think, uh, you can almost say the Republican message of, you can be anything you want in this country. You don't need a government handout. Just pulling yourself up from your bootstraps. That was Colin Powell. He was that. He lived the American dream. And at the end of the day, it has to be amazing. He was 84 years old. He died of COVID complications. And, and, and it, it, you, you see a death like that, an icon, and it takes your breath away because not a lot of people like him are left on this earth. Colin Powell could have been president. Colin Powell could have been president. He was somebody, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, I think every body respected. And I think no matter who he ran against, he would have been a formidable foe. He would have been a president that it wasn't about him, but what is it about what was great for America? Think about that. He came from immigrant parents. He saw what they had to do to survive in this country. And I think if you have somebody like that, if you have a leader with that background, 
that has to work hard for everything he has. You can't tell me that's not going to make one hell of a person. I think the leaders we have now have all been cradled, have all been given a helping hand. But the man or the woman you have to respect is somebody that worked tirelessly, scrimped and saved to get what they got. Colin Powell was that person. And at the end of the day, you have to respect that. He will be missed. I, I, I think the controversy to me, when you look over his life, the biggest thing in the party was, you know, well, let's go. When he made the speech to sell America on the war, you know, and you could almost feel like George Bush knew the intel he had was maybe not that good, but he needed a salesman. He needed somebody that if he got on the stage and he put his name on it, people would respect it. So when he gave that speech to sell the world on going to war with Iraq, some people say he was set up. Some people say it was a hit job. I think when when you're a, when you're a world leader and you're hesitant about going to war, attacking another country, and somebody you respect stands up and says, "No, I put my name on it. I stand by it. This intel is the truth." Ladies and gentlemen, what makes a man? Colin Powell was that man. When you look at how he bucked his party and he saw a young senator running for president and he knew this country needed a change. He knew that the course that we were on was not right. And he said, I endorse Barack Obama because I believe this is what the country needs. Not many leaders of his statue would turn their backs on their party. But Colin Powell did. Colin Powell will be missed. He will. I think right after he died, and, you know, we thought of COVID complications, he's double vaccinated. The first thing I thought of is, oh, he's vaccinated and he died? So then you go in your mind and you start saying, well, was it the virus that killed him? The the vaccine? Is it safe? And then you quickly get shot down when they say, no, he had, you know, he had blood cancer. He had Parkinson's. He had a very lot of uh, underlying issues that took a t- toll on him. So, you know, that got shot down. You know, there are some people on the right that want to use that because they don't want people to get vaccinated. Like I've said over and over and over, and I will continue to say, if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. But if you don't, you don't. Don't. I'm not vaccinated. But if you are, respect your rights. The the, the biggest thing I'm hearing is 
mandates, mandates, mandates. OSHA just came out with their, their regulations on the mandate. Mandates are working. No, they're not. Mandates are not working. You can't tell me if you have to lay people off, if you have to fire people, if you have people walking out of the job, mandates aren't working. Mandates work when everybody rolls their sleeve up to get the shot. When you have nurses and doctors leaving hospitals. Think about it. Here were people that were in the thick of it. The thick of it. They were seeing people come in every single day. Ventilator. Dying. They saw more death than I can imagine. And when you have someone like that who says, you know what, I'm not getting the vaccine, you have to take a pause and ask why. You can't, you're just going to fire a nurse without asking why? She has got questions. She's unsure. We have people who get vaccinated and have breakout cases. Like I said, Oscar De La Hoya had to cancel a fight, and he was laid up in the hospital, and here's the man who's vaccinated. Now you might say, well, Mark, it's only a small number of the vaccinated, when the people who are vaccinated laid up in the hospital who get sick. Okay, I, I, I give that to you. It's a small, small number, but that's still not assuring. You told me if I got the shot, I had nothing to worry about. Nine fucking months, you created this vaccine. Nine months. 50 years, 10 years, 20 years to create vaccine. Nine months to create a vaccine. Oh, they were already working on it. It just needed the money. Okay. AIDS, cancer, all types of cancer. It took us nine months to create a COVID vaccine, but we don't have a, a vaccine for cancer, for AIDS? Come on. And, and, and you want me to believe it is safe. The mandate's not working. People are, would rather leave their job than get a shot. Think about that. People would rather walk off the job than be forced. There are some companies taking a step back saying, we cannot do this. 3,000 police officers in the city of Chicago are walking off the job because they don't want the vaccine. Mandates do not work. You can't tell me you have a 99 uh, percentile, a 98 percentile, when you had to fire people to get that. That number skewed. You only tell me you have a 99 percentile when you have not laid off anybody. If you laid off just one person, two people, three people, four people, it's just not right. 
And when you talk to people, you go back. COVID could have been something. It could have been something. But we politicized it at the beginning. We, we put doubt in the virus in the beginning. Left or right, Kamala Harris and I won't get the Trump vaccine. You've already poisoned the water. Donald Trump did what he did. And people didn't want to get it. Because they didn't like Donald Trump. Had we had a president, had we had an administration who was just honest from the beginning and, and truly said, let's follow the science. Let's take the politics off it. Wear a mask. I think if you if you go in a place and they say wear a mask, wear a mask. What's the fucking big deal? Wear a mask. It's not a big deal. Wear a fucking mask. Is it going to kill you? Mandates are not working. You know how, how I know people are out of touch with, with, the, with the world? Well, if you want to go to school, you got to get vaccinated. True. But there are some kids who are not vaccinated, and guess what? They still go to school. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. But you should not be forced to get vaccinated. It, it's getting to the point that you almost feel like, do I own my body? Do I control me? Or does the government control me? Some people say that Joe Biden knew that the vaccine mandate wasn't going to work, but he threw it out there because he wanted to get the numbers up. He just said, fuck it, I'll let the chips fall where they may. I understand his mind, his, his state of mind with this. Think about it. You're the president of the United States. You're getting beat up every single day because people do not want to get vaccinated. You've got one party telling people, actively telling people, putting doubt in their mind about the vaccine. You had to do something. You had to throw the long ball. You're down 20 points heading into the fourth quarter. You had to do something. And so you did the vaccine mandate. And it might not hold up in court. Texas has already passed a an executive order saying anybody should not be forced to get the vaccine. Band-aids do not work. You might think they work, but they don't. If you've got to fire one person, one, then it's not working. Why? Uh, you know, you, 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 you look at this country and you say, we can do better. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, then don't. But firing people, getting them off the job, nurses and doctors walking away, medical professionals, pilots not getting vaccinated. And we're suffering. You know, I think sometimes politicians don't really fully, you know, just 
think out their their policies. They just throw it out there willy-nilly. Like I said, I, I, I see where he's coming. But I think had Joe Biden just fully thought about the mandate, had he talked to somebody like you or me, had he had he sat at the table with somebody in the mailroom in the White House and he said, let me ask you a question. What's your thought on a mandate? I would have looked him in the eye. And I just said, Mr. President, with all due respect, I see where you're coming from. But mandates won't work. We live in a country that half the people who live here don't think you're the illegitimate president. And the other half do. We live in a country where even if you were to mandate the vaccine, there are some of your supporters who still would not get it. So, Mr. President, with all due respect, do not mandate the vaccine. Well, he just said, well, uh, well, mail, mailroom guy, let's call myself mailroom guy, what do I do? Mr. President, if you want to be bold, if you want to be bold, you look at the Republican playbook. You say, American people, we're not, we're not out of the woods. COVID is still here. Delta is still here. We have to do better. My staff want me to do a mandate. I personally believe mandate should be left up to the job. I don't think we should do a mandate. But as long as I'm president, I will push for the vaccine. I will educate people on the vaccine. I will sit down with people to tell them how safe this vaccine is. I will do everything in my part but I think mandate should be left up to the job. Mr. President, that's the message you should use. Leave it up to corporate America. As the Republicans say, they know better. That's, I, 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 I like Joe Biden to a point, but I think sometimes he does things and he's so baked in. And I think a lot of times he's just getting bad advice. I think he's been in government so long so long that, you know, he doesn't know how to take a step back and think about what the, the, the regular guy, the, the, the average Joe is thinking. And I think that's what's hurting him. You know, they just approved vaccines for five uh, to 11 year olds. You know, that's going to be the next, as someone said the other day, that's going to be the next battle. You're going to be having parents be forced to get their kids mandated. Look at New York. I think when it comes to children, that has to be a choice for the parent. It shouldn't be on the federal government to tell you what shots to get for your kid. If we allow the federal government to start mandating stuff, to start laying down the gauntlet and telling us what we need to get and what we should not get, what country are we settling for? When it comes to the vaccine, do your research, study it. But like I, 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 I'm going to throw out something right now. If you get your vaccine in January, they're saying by six months the the uh, efficiency starts to wear off. 
Then they want you to get a booster. So six months. So August, I got to get a booster. What vaccine requires you to get a booster shot the same year you get it? These are the questions you have to ask yourself. The job I work at does not require a mandate. But if I was to leave this job and go to another job, I'll be honest, if I went to another job that paid a little bit more money and they said, Mark, you want to work here, you got to get vaccinated. Guess what? Depending on how much and what my job title would be, I would get vaccinated. But guess what? It should be my choice. It shouldn't be anybody else's choice. Because if I decide to work at this job and they lay out the gauntlet, this is what you have to do. Guess what? That's what I will do. But at the end of the day, it's my choice. I feel like, you know, COVID has become this thing where we're not allowing people to choose. We're saying the federal government knows better on your medical conditions. But like I told people today, when you think about it, so if I get the vaccine, but let's say I get the, you know, because I had COVID, let's say, you know, Mark gets the vaccine. And two weeks later or a week later or a couple days later, I'm having a breakout infection and I'm laid up in the hospital, breathing, ventilator and everything. And I pull out, I'm good, but I'm in the hospital for a couple days. They don't know if I'm going to make it. And when I come out, it's a slow process to get better. The vaccine's free. But is the breakout case free? See, no one thinks about that. Who's going to pay those bills? Who's going to pay that? You gave me a free shot, but you didn't cover the side effects. You didn't cover the what ifs. You left that out. Like I said, if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. But you should not be forced to. As bad as I want to say mandates are a good thing, you know, they're not. We saw that with Obamacare. I just think we live in a country where it's so embedded in us, our freedom. Our freedom. Any other country we lived in, if that wasn't the case, I'm sure people would would line up. You might have a little whining and dining, but crying, but you know they would be. You'd be in a country where you don't have that. You know, we live in America where we value our freedom, and I think it should be a choice. And I think that's going to be, you know, I, I think that's going to be the fight. I'll be honest. I have a philosophy that, that says by 2023, COVID just going to disappear, and I think we're going to see scientists realize, find, try to you know, placate us, try to tell us some story like, oh, you know, this happened. We, we reached a herd immunity. I think they're just going to be like shocked because they're not going to know why the fuck COVID just went away. They're, they're not. They're, they're not going to know. So that's, that's what I think. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Republicans have a Donald Trump problem. You might say, what do you mean, Mark? Republicans have a Donald Trump problem. Republicans have a Donald Trump problem. He came out with a statement where he said that if the Republicans do not deal with the 2020 election, 
I will tell my voters not to come out and vote. That's a very powerful statement. Here's a guy that the Republican Party is sucking up to, and he's saying, if you don't do my bidding, if you don't meet my will, I will tell the people that back me not to vote. And you saw that happen in Georgia. The Republican Party has made a, a, uh, a date with the devil. You have a guy saying, if you don't do what I want, I'm going to tell people not to even show up at the polls. You know, I pulled up some data. Pulled up some data. 2010 United States Senate election between Harry Reid and Sharon Angle. A very, very close race. Harry Reid almost lost the seat. What did the Republican do? They put up a shitty candidate like Sharon Angle. A lot of flaws, and it came back to bite them. Cost them the Senate that year. Chris Coons, same year. He runs against a Wiccan, a witch, as she called herself, Christine O'Donnell. Republicans put up candidates that cost them the United States Senate. Right now, we're in a 2010 feeling when Donald Trump made that statement. You have just aligned yourself with a man that said, if you do not go out there and actively push this false narrative that the election was stolen, stolen without proof, without anything, the election was stolen. I'm going to tell people to sit at home. So now you're going to force members of Congress, you're going to force the Senate people up for election to say, do you feel like Joe Biden is the legitimate president? Ladies and gentlemen, the question I want to ask you tonight is this. Is tearing our democracy up to placate a man, to make him feel good about himself, that important? Will we sow doubt in our elections? What are we doing? What does that get us? We're sowing doubt in an election because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. We, we don't want to make someone feel bad. You know, I would respect a Republican if he stood up and said, um, you know what, I, I respect what the president, the ex-president, uh, President Donald Trump has said. I, I feel his, his, his pain in that. And we, we've all lost elections. But, you know, every avenue was covered. He had his day in court at every angle. And at the end of the day, he came up short. I think as a party, it is time for us to move on. If we continue to talk about the 2020 election, we will lose the 22 election, the 24 election. The American people want to look forward, not backwards. And as much as we appreciate the uh, president for what he did for us for four years, how he made America great again, 
we understand as a party, it is time for us to look forward. So I suggest to every Republican, every Democrat, every independent, the Republican Party is a party that wants to combat everything that's going wrong in America. So if you put us in twenty in power in 2022, we will definitely be a check on this president. You know, if we had somebody come out and say that, can you imagine how powerful that'd be? How much sway you could get? You could write your damn ticket to your reelection. But if you stay silent, if you hide, if you duck, if you don't want to be seen, you're giving up to that message. You're, you're, you're letting your, the, the Republican supporters know that Donald Trump speaks for you and he speaks for the party. Republicans have to get over this fascination with 2020. What are you going to do for me today, not yesterday? We cannot keep fighting the last fight. We have to fight the next one. Republican Party will end up like 2010 when they lost a Senate because they put crazies up. We cannot keep fighting these battles. Ladies and gentlemen, it's like when I said I went to the, the, the gas station. I won the lottery. She said, where's your ticket? I said, I don't have it. You just have to believe me. Common sense. Show me the proof. We're not dumb. Don't let him play us like we are. Where's the proof? We cannot keep going down. We cannot keep going down this road. It's getting us nowhere. It's getting us nowhere. It's, it's, it's tearing us apart. It's pitting us apart. We have to do better. And for Donald Trump to make a stand to say what he said, it clearly shows us he has no loyalty to the party. It's about Donald Trump. He could care less about the party. The Republican Party has to figure out one thing. They are bigger than him. They are bigger than any candidate that wears their name with pride. But if they allow one person to stand up and say, if you don't go along with me, I will tell people not to go along with you. The leader of the RNC has to take a stand and say, that's not how it works. But if you don't do that, you give credence to this message that Donald Trump owns the party. That, that the party is beholden to one man. Is the Republican Party gone? Has, has the Republican Party gone away? Is it the Trump party? 
What profits a man to lose the whole wide world, but gain nothing? The Republican Party is about to lose their soul because you're allowing one man to take the party hostage. The Republican Party stands for independence, for pulling yourself up off your bootstraps, for conservative principles, conservative values, family values, the party of Lincoln, the party of Reagan. It is a party that has stood the test of time for year after year. They don't need a former president telling them likewise. You know, I, 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 I used to have a conversation with my friend. I said, you know, for the longest, I thought the Democrats were the weak party. The Republicans are, the Democrats are too woke and the Republicans have turned into a cult for one man. And it is showing. The Republicans want to win the House back. I feel them. They can taste it. They can see it. But if you allow one man to take you down this path, you might not gain anything. Some people would say the Republican Party needs to lose badly. They need a shellacking to get rid of the Donald Trump hangover. I, 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 I look at that phrase and I say, do they really need a slacking? Or do they just need a backbone? Do they need to stand up and say, no, Mr. President. No, Mr. President. We allowed you to plead your case. We allowed you to have your day in court. But uh, uh, um, uh, Joe Biden is the president. The, the, the sad thing is the supporters would go along with Donald Trump because the Republican Party has become this party. Let, let, let me tell you, in, in 2010, the Republican Party, when they took power, before that, they overpromised. They overpromised. And so when they got back in power, they under-delivered which allowed a person like Donald Trump to come along and captivate the party. Because the party knows that if they don't have Donald Trump, they don't have anybody. It just shows how weak the Republicans have become. You know, a party that is so strong. My buddy said, you know what, Mark? I've been a Democrat my whole life. And right now, the Democrats scare me because of what they're doing. But I can't be a Republican. They just turned into a cult. And I said, what do you mean? He said, look, Donald Trump. He told me when it was the last time a one-term president even had a shot to come back in the fucking building. Makes you think. Did Jimmy Carter? They go away. You lost a race. The party turns its back on you because they know they need to focus on the future. But if they stick around with you, you're the past. It's almost like Donald Trump needs this more than he realizes. 
So he beholdens himself to the Republican Party. And he makes them gravel at his feet. Now, let's look at 2022. Let's say the Republicans, by some chance, they lose. Donald Trump will say, I told my people not to come out and support you, and this is what happens. But let's say he doesn't say that the Republican Party just loses. You could say that the Republican Party lost because they had a Donald Trump hangover floating around. They tied themselves too close to, 20, to Donald Trump. Now, the, party, the problem for the Republican Party would be, if that happened, um, they would quickly have to realize what their message and what their path forward is going to be. Because if they lose the midterms, which they should win, you will see a party have to figure out quickly, we got to get rid of Donald Trump, and we have to figure out our message. Donald Trump's core supporters are Republicans. But like I said, Republicans have failed them for too long. And as they failed them, they allowed a man like Donald Trump to come in and sway them. And so he talks their language. He, he, he says, I feel you, I understand you. And for people who have been part of this party who they felt has betrayed them, let them down, and how they've seen, who in a sense has seen weak, of course they would run to Donald Trump's arms. I just think the Republican Party has to figure out what they will do, where they should go. The future is bright for the Republican Party, but if they allow a one-term president, if they allow a man that is becoming a cancer on the party, the future will be dim. It is all about overcoming what they need to overcome. So my Republican brothers and sisters, if you're listening, I, I tell you this. You should vote. You should vote. Vote. Even if Donald Trump says don't, you show up and you vote. If you don't like this president, if you don't like his policies, if you don't like where he's taking this country, you show up and the you show up on election day, you raise your hand and you say, guess what? I don't agree with what's going on. And I think we need a check on this office. That's how you get change. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't want to go here, but we're going to go here. Voting rights, voting rights, voting rights. Republicans today voted down or filibustered a Democratic bill to improve voting rights. They wanted to make uh, voting a national holiday. They wanted to, I realized I didn't read the bill, but I, from the little bit I think I know, they wanted to basically... Hold all 50 states accountable for any changes that they make. You know, Joe Manchin pushed this bill because he did not like the ever-expansive voting bill that the Republic, the Democrats were trying to cram through. And so he said, I can, you know, get some Republican support, which he did not. Um, but a fundamental, fundamental right in this country is to vote. A fundamental right in this country is to vote. 19 states 
have changed by past voting laws. 19. Everyone should have the right to vote. I don't give a shit who you vote for. I don't care if you're a Democrat, a Republican, Independent, Green Party. Vote. You know, I heard this. Someone made this and it was a good point. They said, you know, the Constitution doesn't say that you should have an ID to vote. They just say you should be able to vote. I think we get wrapped up when we think of voting, you know, all about it has become this message about the voting ID. I think that you should have some form of ID, but it should be some form. I think if you don't have ID, but you got your uh, your voting card, I think that should be seen uh, allowed uh, as ID. I think that if you do do that and you put in the system, it should be set up, you know, ID. You know, it should be like when you go up to the desk, let's, let's work this here. You go up to the desk and they're checking your name and you say, well, I'm going to use the computer. They should press a button that says, okay, he showed his ID. Now, let's say you go there and you put you didn't have an ID, but you had your voting card. They should go and say, well, he didn't show his ID. So you go to the computer. It says, put your last four in. You put your last four in and the system lets you to go vote. I think that the one thing that's sad, I think voting should be a national holiday. The one thing I always hear, people want change. People are dying for change. People feel like the politicians right now that we have in Washington are only serving themselves and their own agendas. And the only way we can get that is if everybody in this country shows up to vote. And so today when the Republic, the Republicans blocked a bill that would have made voting a national holiday. Think about that, a national holiday. There are a lot of people who want to vote but can't because they can't get off of work. You know, shorting poll places in, in districts that you know might hurt you, allowing the legislature to take over a county because you don't like how they vote and you question it. You know, cutting the secretary of state off by the knees because you don't like the outcome of an election. Ladies and gentlemen, is this democracy? Is this what we've settled on? This was the most secure election of our lifetime. And people don't like it. You, you, you don't like the outcome when everyone shows up and votes. You know, you don't have to be, it's almost like the Republicans fear. Like I've said from the beginning, if people don't like your policies, maybe you need to readjust them. Maybe you need to ask the question. Everybody should be allowed to vote. It should be easy. Nobody in this country should be waiting in line for three hours, four hours, all fucking day to cast a ballot. But when you do little things, close polling places, limit drop boxing, have uh, 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 waiting hours that cut off at five so people, when they get off work, can't vote. When you try to succeed and work and tinker with voting uh, Sunday, Sunday to the polls, it shows your motive. It shows that you know that if everybody on this earth showed up 
at the election and cast a ballot. I mean, everybody in America, cast a ballot. You might lose. Guess what? That's democracy. Guess what? They didn't like your ideas. Guess what? They didn't like where you were taking, you were going to take this country. Voting should be the most, it should be like breathing. We do it every two years, every four years. This is this is how I would do it. Here is here's my bill. Here is uh, Mark's bill. Voting day should be a national holiday. Um, early voting should be from October first until the last Friday before election day. Um, you should have a voting ID. And if you don't have a voting ID, you should go to the DMV and be able to apply for a voting ID. So basically, you should be able to use your license. And there should be a special ID, a, a government-issued ID, so you could vote. It should be free. Free access for everybody. Um, there should be polling places. There should be enough polling places in the area where everybody should only wait 30 minutes, no longer, no less. Um, with that, you should, by 6 o'clock, depending on um, capacity on certain uh, voting locations, you should start to close, start to shut those one down and start forcing people. So by 5, I'd say about mm, 6 o'clock, you know. The people online, you should allow them online. You know, and then it, if we say by district, it should be district and area. So if you've got three polling places in your area and, you know, A, polling place A is starting to shut down, they should tell you to go to vote, uh, polling place B. And polling place B is shutting down, they should tell you to go to C. But if you really wanted to do it, you know, the DMV in a lot of states works under one system. One system. So, you know, you can live in, you know, uh, Landon and then drive to Union, which is 30 minutes away, and or go to Greenwood, which is an hour away, or go to Steel Mill, which is an hour away, and still be able to vote. So voting should be universal like the DMV. Um. Your age requirement should be the same. I think in certain districts, you should have, there should be one polling place in your area that's open 24 hours. It should be two um, computers set up, and it should have uh, paper ballots um, and one guy working it. And you, you come in. You should be able to vote. I think voting should be easy like here. I think if we did those things, if we uh, did that, I think it would be better. I think you would actually get the change that you seek, and it would be amazing. Um, I think for so long that we bought into this phony notion of voting fraud, and that 
It's just not true. I think you do have fraud with every election, but I think if you do some stuff, I do think that you should do upkeep of the voting roll every year. Um, you should look at it. If a person hasn't voted in the five last elections, they should be scrubbed. Um, I think um, if you have even, but if you have questions about those people who haven't voted in this election, the last two elections, after two elections, you should reach out to those people with a letter and saying, hey, are you still alive, active? And, you know, are you still wanting to? And let's say uh, Mary died. You know, her family should call back to the Secretary of State's office and say, well, Mary, you know, God bless her soul, she's gone. And they should scrub you. I just think, like I said, if you feel like if you feel like you got screwed the last election, no, you didn't. I think when you look at the last election, I think that if you can say you won your race but call President uh, Trump's race rigged, you have to also say maybe your 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 election was kind of maybe rigged too. It can't be either or. But I think we should make it easy to vote in this country. And a lot of people are upset with Joe Biden because they say the Democrats did not push this more and it's going to come back to bite them. And they might be right, you know, but it's kind of like, how do you push something when you have, um, you know, an opposite party saying no? But the one question I would vote to that, I'd look at the, the uh, Republicans, you say the election was uh, rigged and phony, but you don't want to pass a law to make the election more secure. So it also shows that they're in they're disingenuine on what they want to do. It just shows that they uh, politics. I think when it comes to voting, it should not be political. I think when we allow politics to come into stuff, it just shows your true emotions and your true feelings. And I think with this these these voting irregularities, these election laws, it just shows that the Republican Party has one clear agenda, uh, and that agenda is to stay in power. I think if you're smart and you're a Republic Democrat, I think you should play the game. Okay, this is the new rules. We beat them the last time and we forced them to change the rules. Let's do it again. I think that's the only way you tackle it and you make Republicans look stupid. You know, some people would say some of these laws they're enacting are going to come back and, and bite them in the ass. And it's probably right. It probably will come back and bite them in the ass. But that is something that. We will have to see. So, like I said, I really didn't want to talk about voting rights. And I know I, I, every time I wanted to talk about it, something else happened and I got pushed off. But, like, you know, it's like you, you, we didn't win, but we're going to change the landscape so we win next time. You know, it's almost like you're rigging the election. You're rigging the playing field for next time, and that's not fair. It just shows hmm, – that's why people don't like politics. I want to say this one thing. Kristen Cinema, the great senator from the state of Alaska, uh, I mean Arizona. Um, I think she's playing a dangerous game. And I don't think she's being honest. I don't think she's being an honest broker. And it worries me because she's saying, well, you know, you got to pass that one bill before I will vote on the other bill. And I think that if, I have a feeling that if you pace, you pass the of the first bill, I don't think she's going to be there for the second bill. I think she's 
playing this game where she's trying to be too cute for school and it's showing that she's not. And I think that it's going to hurt her chances of re-election because many people will say, well, she's not up for re-election until three years. Yeah, you're right. But people have memories. Ask Kelly Ayotte of uh, New Hampshire how that is when she did some stuff with the gun law and it came to bite her in the ass. Uh, I think her she was two years out, you know. I think that I, you know, she won heavily, heavily handed in her uh, her primary. But who's to say she will do that again? I think that when you're a senator, you need to talk to your people. You need to make your people understand why you voted the way you voted. And I feel like she has not done that. And you hear the stories and you talk, you listen to people. They say, you know, she doesn't give town halls. She doesn't talk. She's very closed off. And I think as a senator or any congressman or anybody, she has to realize that she works for the American people. It's not the other way around. You know, when those people, you don't have to agree with them. When they followed her in the restroom and the young lady said, I marched for you. I knocked on doors for you. You know, people have long memories, but and you know they view, they view it as a slap in the face when you're not you don't you're not pushing the agenda that you told them you would. And for her to be campaign uh, fundraising and going to Europe and doing these funny stuff. You know, we can respect it, but at the end of the day, it's going to come back and bite you. And when it does, people are going to say, remember when you were doing all that funny stuff? We didn't like it. Remember, you still have to face the voters. So you might say, well, it's three years out. I have enough time. Eh. If I lived in Arizona, I'd remember. And I'm sure the people right now do. So... Instead of playing games and thinking you're too cute for school, maybe sit down. Maybe work with the Democrats saying, I don't like uh, where you're wanting to take this bill. It's too high. Why don't we sit down? Why don't we pass this bill? And I'm a woman who likes, you know, spreadsheets. Let's sit down and hammer out these damn spreadsheets. And let's get a legitimate bill. But like I said, she's being too cute for school, and I think that's going to come back and bite her in the ass. <sighs> January 6th. You know, we look at January 6th, and it's surprised that, you know, we're still talking about it. When the, Demo when the Republicans had a chance to have um, a basically a bipartisan commission, it passed the House. Kevin McCartney got everything he wanted, it failed. Because the Denver, the Republicans did not want no one to know. So Nancy Pelosi does her own thing, and she creates this commission. Well, they start subpoenaing people, and people are saying, well, I'm going to produce uh, executive privilege. I'm not going to talk. Executive privilege, I'm not going to talk. Okay, you know. But then you find out that an ex-president doesn't have executive privileges, when other people try to tell you otherwise. And so then you have to ask yourself, okay, if we gave a president 
executive privilege for the rest of his life. He could hide anything. So, you know, there's this comp there's this uh, Republican conservative um, uh, organization called Judicial Watch, and they're pushing for all these documents. But I, it's like we they want to know the truth about the six. But then you have to ask yourself, okay, you want to know the truth about the six. I agree with you. I want to know the truth about the six. I want to know everything. I want to know what makes a person go to D.C. and break in the Capitol. I want to know that. But you also have to look at how the Republican Party does not want to know. You've got President Trump blocking, blocking or filing a lawsuit because he doesn't want his paperwork, his papers, to be revealed. So my question to Judicial Watch should be for any Republican who pulls this bullshit about the six. How can you say you want to know when you're saying one thing, but the other half of your party is saying another? You know, and this big push to make Ashley Babbitt, God rest her soul. God rest her soul. She was a veteran, so we have to respect that. But to make her out to be some martyr, to make her out to be some woman who was who was killed, you know, she was just breaking, she was walking in a window, she was unharmed. Ladies and gentlemen, she was doing a breaking and entering in a federal building. She didn't listen to the cop. The cop was scared for his life. Imagine you're sitting there. You got your gun. And you're coming in. What are you going to do? You know, the one thing I think, if I was a documenter, I would interview everybody who did the six. I would say this is going to be a non-biased documentary. Why did you do it? What made you go to the Capitol that day? What made you go inside that day? Did you feel like you were empowered? Did you feel like you were doing something right and you wouldn't be held accountable? Tell me. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear from those people. And we're probably not. And for people, I always look at it and say, okay, the, if the six was so great, if the six was so wonderful, why did the Republican Party not come out and join them? Why did they hide? Why did Trump, after the six, not pardon those people? Why did he let them to fry? I think we looked at the number last week. It was 671 people have been charged with the six. The six is an important, in a sense, it's an important day in this American's history, but we have to get down to the root of what happened. And I feel like we're not because people are playing politics. You've got one side playing it, and you've got the other side digging in because they, they, are, they are dare to fear that anybody find out what was the true meaning of the six, why it happened, and what drove people to lose their fucking mind. And I feel as a society, if we can't do something as, as formulate a commission, a bipartisan commission where everybody gets some say, the Republicans, the Democrats, if we can't do that, then what do we have? We don't have a, we don't have a country. Is the experiment over? You tell me. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to do better. Donald Trump has to do better. The Republican Party has to, to gain a black backbone. 
And Kristen Cinema has to sit down with somebody and have a legitimate conversation. I heard someone say the other day, she's not John McCain. John McCain had principles. You knew where he stood. Kristen Cinema, I hate to say this, I agree with that guy. We don't know where you're standing. You're not John McCain. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you for listening to Political Talk. It's been a great conversation. I hope you have a good night. God bless.